You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. And so today, as Peter said, it's Youth Sunday, so youth has overtaken everything from worship, like I said, to prayer. And so I thought, what better way to show our youth group and to show you guys uh, what's been going on in the life of our youth group than to hear directly from some of our students. So I'm going to ask our first uh, person to come on up. He's the only one that's actually shorter than me. And, uh, and so I wanted to start there, and the other ones I'm going to let do by themselves. But Ryder, you want to come on up? Give it up for Ryder here. All right, Ryder, I have a couple questions for you here today. First off, what's your full name, and how old are you? What grade are you in? I'm Ryder Cattrall Barang. I'm in sixth grade and I'm 11. 11, awesome. All right, Ryder, here's my next question to you. When did you start coming to the youth group? For like, like when summer started. Right around summer, yeah, so you've been here for quite a little bit. What has God been teaching you in this time? Um, to worship and pray more desperately to worship and pray more desperately yeah that was that was like two months ago almost when i preached it in the summer here on sunday morning right yeah how has that looked what does that mean you've been doing with your dad and stuff um every morning we pray so we go to the beach and then has this morning prayer and then like you dig your hands into your sand and then like you um forgot but yeah <laughs> yeah so you guys kind of have a little tradition together you and your dad go down to the beach put your hands in the sand and you guys spend time praying and has that been good have you enjoyed that do you like that yes yeah all right right i have one last question for you this morning what are you most looking forward to and excited for in the youth group um the big nerf war heritage <laughs> big nerf war we did a big nerf war right when i got here you're excited you weren't here yet but you heard about it and its reputation stands so you're really excited for the nerf war Awesome. All right, give it up for Ryder, guys. The next two students I'm going to have come share are a little bit older, so they don't need me up here. Plus, I don't want you to see how much taller they are than me. So uh, with that, I'm going to introduce Hayden to come on up. Hi, my name's Hayden. Um, I'm... I've been going to the um, youth ministry for about two months now, and I'm, I'm 18. Um, I, to preface, I graduated high school after my sophomore year, so I was 16, and since then I've been going to Saddleback Community College. Um, I'm majoring in political science. Uh, I definitely feel a calling towards politics and theology and philosophy. It's something I'm really passionate about, and I'll talk your ear off about it afterwards if anybody is willing to. Um, <laughs> my parents are like, yeah, yeah, she will um, in the back. Um, well, I, if there's anything I can say about my experience at Saddleback, it's that it's not easy being a Christian and to be talking about politics in the political science department. Christians are not, um, their opinions aren't very validated or proved, and it's you're most likely not going to get a very positive reaction to anybody. So for a while I was, um, you know, sort of warring with this, do I stay quiet about my faith and be likable amongst my peers, or do I talk about Jesus and how wonderful he is with my peers, but... Um, but not be likable. And I, I started out the first way. And then I, as I grew in my faith, I realized that, you know what, 
Jesus and politics go together. And I can talk about theology and philosophy. I can't talk about theology and philosophy without integrating my moral compass and what Jesus has done for me. So, um, in in the first book of Acts, Jesus' last words to his disciples are to be his witnesses. So I was like, who am I to be walking around Saddleback preaching my opinions about politics, yet not talking about where I got those opinions in the first place? And I also am yet to meet one other Christian at Saddleback. Um, But with that said, and being in such an environment where Um, my views aren't necessarily um, as accepted as I would like them to be, but it's okay. It's so important to be involved in a ministry or a good, solid group of Christian kids, and I have found that so much at Heritage. I can't think of a better place. It's like a vacation for me during the week. Like, oh, I get to go to Heritage and I get to be around people who I know love Jesus, who have my back, that I can talk about my experiences with, and we can talk about evangelism. And um, I just I just know that it's it's just like almost like a safety net. It's a day at the spa for me almost <laughs> to be able to go to Heritage. Um, but as Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And especially at this point in your life, who you surround yourself with and um, their beliefs will influence you. And that's why it's so important to be involved in um, a ministry or just have a really good friend group. Um Oh, something that the Lord has definitely put on my heart lately, especially in today's political climate. I don't know if anybody noticed, but it's very divided. Um, but <laughs> but um, that we need to learn a thing or two about civility and how we can accomplish things. But in order to accomplish those things, we have to be able to talk to each other and have a civil conversation. And something I kind of live by is that if you're not mature enough to have a civil conversation about it, you're not mature enough to be speaking about it in the first place. Um, but as far <laughs> as far as what um, I was reading in the Bible last night, and First Peter three um, thirteen through fifteen says, "Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and." respect. I couldn't think of a verse that we need more (laughs) in the political climate today, and especially at universities in general. But with that said, how can we be witnesses to Christ and be preaching uh, his word if we're not surrounded by a good group of people at the end of the day? We can't do it alone. So I stress the importance of fellowship, and I can't think of a better place to do that than heritage is youth ministry. So, thank you. Thank you so much, Hayden. She's awesome, and Hayden will be here along with all these guys, and they would love to talk to you, and there's plenty of other youth here, like I said, that are praying or that are at the door, and they all have stories just like this. So I'd encourage you before leaving here to grab one of them, uh, ask them, hear from them, hear their stories. Last up, though, we have uh, someone who's been here pretty much since the same, right around the same time I got here, uh, so it's been really cool to kind of grow together here and really learn what this place is all about and uh, and see where we take it. So Joseph uh, is up next. Give it up for Joseph Smith.
Good morning. So I'm Joseph, I'm 17, and I've been coming here for a little under a year. Right when Jay got here, I started coming. So we've seen about the same amount as each other. Um, but when Jay first asked me to come up here, I actually thought he was talking about just in front of the youth group. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I should do that. And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, he's talking about in front of the whole church. I don't know if I can do that. So I had an excuse in my head. I'm like, oh, I work Sundays. I'm not going to do it. And then I was going home with Gunny, one of the youth leaders, and we got talking about, well, why shouldn't I? Obviously, it was because of fear and anxiety. That's the reason I couldn't do it. And my whole thing about life is I don't want fear to be my ruler. So anything that I'm afraid of, I need to just conquer it, and I need to take it head on, no matter what it is. This is one of my biggest fears right here. So I get home, and Jay sends me the questions. And the first questions were about myself, my name, how long I've been coming here. Then the real question was, what has God been teaching you in youth group? And that one took me maybe a day, and then I was like, oh, I know what you've been teaching me. That the best thing you can do is question your own faith. Because as soon as you start questioning it, you make it your own. And you start learning, well, that doesn't make sense. Why? So you ask, and sometimes you don't get an answer, but that's the whole point of faith, I think. You don't have to understand it, you just have to believe it. So as soon as I started doing that, I realized, wow, this is great. Everything about life is so much better. I, my day-to-day -day life is just so much better, so much more joy going through the day. I enjoy talking with everyone. I don't, like, usually before I started doing that, I'd go to work and I just wouldn't have a good time all the time. It's like no one enjoys going to work, right? But as soon as I started doing that, I really started to enjoy it because I was just talking with people, enjoying life. Uh, stress completely gone from my life about the future. So that was a huge thing for me. I'd stress every night for weeks on end about like what my future looks like. And as soon as I started just letting that go, my life just completely transformed. So the only thing I've been stressing about is like today, for the past two weeks, honestly. And then the last question was, what do you look forward to the most? And that one, I got that one right away. My relationship with God, I'm so excited to see what it will be like in, say, a year. Because if I'm so much better now, where will I be in one year? My life will just be ten times better, you know? And I'm really excited to have such a strong community of friends and leaders I can just come to with any issue. Because sometimes it's hard to talk to your own family about issues because you don't want to let them down. Because so much shame and just you don't feel like you should do that to them. Because, you know, you're, they're your family. You care about them. You don't want them to feel any less... They don't want, you don't want them to look at you like they do. So it's easier to talk to, say, Jay, Gunny, the other youth leaders about my issues because they're so loving and they really just, there's no judgment. They just, they care about every single kid in that youth group. And that's just an amazing gift to have. So, yeah, that's about it. Thank you, Joseph. And just know, none of this is a paid endorsement. Uh, I didn't give them anything out of this. <laughs> oh, man, I get, 
I get like emotional just hearing these guys because, uh, you know, I don't have any kids of my own technically um, yet. You know, it's something we're, we're still working on. Uh, but I do have two little dogs, and they never listen to me. So it's just kind of nice. So when I, when I hear them say some of these things and the lessons that they've learned, I'm like, wow, someone actually listens to me. <laughs> um, oh man, but they're awesome. And like I said, there's many more kids who have very similar experiences um, and that God is just moving in and through. Something I tell the students and I tell our youth leaders all the time is we're not doing, we're not anything different. We're not anything special. We're just people that are trying to be really faithful to what God calls us to. That's preach his word and to love others. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So this morning, I would love to continue talking with you guys a little bit more. A little bit more about the youth group, a little bit more about myself. Um, but last week, Peter shared uh, in our vision week this statement what our church is going to be focused on and what we're going to look at. And it was this, it was experiencing the presence of God and the power of family. We said that's going to be pretty important and vital to our future as a church. And it's really nice, right? It's easy, it's simple. You would think that probably took you all of like a day, but it took way longer than that. But the one thing I don't want you to think is, oh, that's really nice, that's really cute, it should go on a banner somewhere, it should be framed and hung up somewhere for people to see. But the truth of what I've been teaching our kids in the youth group and what I've been hoping to teach us today is that this needs to travel, that our faith needs to travel, that, that the core foundations of the Christian faith aren't just for Sunday morning, aren't just for when we come in here and see them and are reminded of them and to live them out here among other Christians, but rather these things need to have legs, they need to go home with us, they need to go with us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and come back with us on Sunday. This needs to travel. Because here's the truth and the reality. Real vision travels through people and not through paper. I'll say that again because that's kind of going to be a big point for today. Real vision travels through people, not through paper. They traveled through Ryder here. They traveled through Joseph. They traveled through people like Hayden. Real vision travels. To share with you a little bit about my own story, my own life, for those of you that don't know me super well still. Uh, I grew up on the southwest side of Chicago. I was born there. I didn't come from money or from any type of riches or rich family background. We didn't come from a very highly educated family. And shortly after being born, my dad, after holding me in his arms, realized that not just a new life was formed, but that his life at 19 years old was also just starting to be formed and get started. And so he didn't want to be a dad at that time, somewhat understandable. But the hard thing to hear is that he signed away all legal rights to me. And the only thing I had to really remember him by in my early years was his last name. Hearing that as a young kid did wonders for my self-esteem and my sense of value and worth. Not really. Um, and, and what I grew up with in the absence of a father that in my community in the southwest side of Chicago and the men that I did see around uh, all told me that what it meant to be a man was really to be abusive. To abuse women, to abuse substances, to abuse power, and to abuse money. And by all accounts and research that we are shown nowadays, by all statistical points, I should not be here. I should either be dead or in a gang somewhere. And when I look at some of the other people that I grew up with, that's exactly where they've ended up. So how did I get here? What changed and what was different? I'm going to get into that in a second. But I remember about a year ago now, the 31st will be my first official like 
one-year anniversary here at this church. I remember coming to the youth group, and as I met with so many people and talked with some of the other staff, some of the youth leaders, I felt everyone would preface, like, hey, just so you know, our youth group has kind of also had like a rocky start, has some rocky history here, uh, and the whole place that we went up top in the upper room there for our youth room was very barren. Signs and, and symbols of what could be And I remember praying with some of you guys that are here today, some of the parents and people that really cared for the youth going up in that room and praying together. I remember going on Wednesday nights and even getting our leaders together that I just had stand up, some of them, and getting into a room together and just starting to talk and dream. I would ask them these questions. I asked them one simple thing. I said, if all of you guys, because all of these guys serve, you know, everyone that I had stand up serves here for totally free. They give it their own time. They make sure they have off of work. They take time away from their lives and their schedules to pour into the youth here. And so I want to make sure that it's worth their while. And so I asked all of them, hey, what, what things would you want to be true five years from now? So that if, if in case your life changes, in case you get married, in case you go off to school or whatever else may happen, that you can look back and go, man, these five years I really invested into the youth group were worth it and something I could look back on and be really glad about that I invested my time in. And as I asked that question, I began hearing and just started writing on a board. Okay, yeah, this thing, that thing, that's a good one too. And we began to be able to dream. And not just dream dreams, but God-size them. Regardless of the state of the youth group, we had like seven kids coming at the time. But we were able to have these dreams. And as I listed them up there, I kept coming back to this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 12 here. Paul is telling Timothy these things. And he says, let no one despise you or look down on you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. All the goals that we kept listing seemed to resonate with the heart of what Paul was saying there. I'm going to share with those goals with you in a little bit. But man, what would it look like if we just had a youth group, if we just had kids who were doing such things, that they were able to lead us as adults in worship, that they would be able to lead us and, hey, here's how we should encourage one another. Hey, here's how we should pray for one another. I know it would spur me on, even in a competitive sense, to go, man, I can't let kids just show me up. I can't let them outshine me in this. I need to get right with Jesus. I need to start praying for some people. And it got us excited began to unite us, and a flame began to form in the hearts of our youth group. You see, maybe after last week, after Peter shared some of the the vision of what we have as a giant church, as a whole church, our focus to experience the presence of God and the power of family, you might have walked away going, that sounds really good, but is this really needed? Is this really important? Is it biblical? And I would look no further than at the beginning and end of our book that that we read from. You see, in Genesis, we get the story of Abram, a man who God calls to leave all that he ever knows, forsake his ways and the security and safety that he has to go pursue a land, a vision, a dream that God gives him, a land, a God dream flowing of milk and honey. We see it also at the end of Revelations in chapter 21, where God gives it to you and me, the believers that are here now today. He says in Revelations 21, he says that I am making all things new, creating a new heaven and a new earth. God gives us vision. He gives us God dreams. Growing up in the southwest side of Chicago, there wasn't a lot of dreaming. There wasn't a lot of hope. There was no hope for change, and at least that's what I was told by neighbors and by friends and by older family members like cousins that would go, man, you, you need one of two things 
if you want to see change. You either need to be born into it or you need to be really, really lucky. And if you're born in the southwest side of Chicago, you definitely weren't born into it and you definitely weren't super lucky. And so the, the, the idol that many in my neighborhood had were, were lottery tickets. So there they were every week, every paycheck, scratching off, seeing if they won anything, seeing if they won anything, seeing if they won. Because to them, that was the only way change was going to come about. But when I was a junior higher, two things happened when I was 13 years old. The first, and I don't have time to get into the entire story right here and now, but God got a hold of my heart. The love and echoing for a father's love that I felt in my heart for so long, seeking after it in my biological father, although I got to know him a little bit more. I realized was finally fulfilled in knowing my heavenly one, in knowing Jesus, in knowing my God, and that being filled in that whole, like Joseph was kind of talking about, where now my life makes sense, my life has purpose, my life has meaning, allowed me to begin to start God dreaming. It allowed me to start having vision for change and for something better and different than what we had here. I remember I used to go to school every day uh, to my junior high, and, and kind of like how we could see these mountainsides here is there would be a bridge down Cicero Avenue, and as we'd go over that bridge, I'd be able to see the entire Chicago skyline. And I was just so enamored with the city. I thought it was a beautiful place, and the better life waited in store there. And I remember as a kid thinking, man, someday I'm going to live there. Someday I'm going to be there. I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm going to get there. And it would be a reminder to me, that city skyline, every twice a day, every moment, every morning that I got up to go to school on that bus ride, and every time I'd come home. And it helped me on the days where I didn't want to go to school, where I had a test and I would be horrible and know that I was going to do bad, and I remembered what I was working for. And every day after eight hours in school, coming back home, going back to the slums, I remembered to look up at that city skyline. I remember, God, that is what we're working towards. You see, this is where I think kids typically outshine us as adults. I asked in the first service, I, I, to prove this point, I had some kids share. I just asked out loud, not knowing what they would say. I said, what do some of you want to be when you grow up? And two kids sitting here, one said, I want to be a famous actor or famous actress. And the other one said, I want to be a YouTuber, famous YouTuber. Right? Like totally, like we laugh because we kind of think like, oh, those are such silly, you know, ambitious dreams. Someone in the back said, you know, they want to be a pro surfer. But when did we stop dreaming as adults? And when did we associate dreaming with being a bad thing? You see, I think what happens with most of us as we get older here is that we dream a dream, and we might even make it a God-sized dream. But then when we hear that first no, or we get hurt by it, or, or it doesn't go our way, we don't like that feeling of rejection that Joseph talked about. We don't like the feeling of disappointment that we have. And so as we get older, we start making up more excuses for why we don't dream anymore. Man, that's not realistic. Man, I got bills to pay. But we see that God uses dreams over and over again as a way to motivate, as a way to unite, as a way to bring us together and bring about change. See, in both of these cases, both in my personal life as well as with our youth ministry, Vision and dreaming allowed us to make plans, to take steps forward towards achieving these dreams, these God dreams, and goals with clear direction and purpose now. We weren't just wandering aimlessly. We were able to unite and come together, and as with that verse in uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, giving us our idea of what our vision is for our youth group, we were able to come up with these goals, 
and I would love to share them with you here. The first one is this, that every student would know 80% of the Bible that it would be preached to them, that if you came in at writer's age as a sixth grader, that if you stuck with our youth group all six years as you did all of junior high and all four years of your high school career, that in those six years you would have heard completely 80% of the Bible, that you'd be able to internalize it and know, and that as Hayden mentioned, that as you go off and you meet other people with different perspectives or different ideas or, or different belief systems, that you'd be able to handle on your own and know here's the faith that I have, here's the solid foundation, and faith has its reasons. I've done what Joseph's done and questioned my faith. I don't just rely on it being my parents, but I've made it my own. And because I've doubted, because I've searched, when it was safe, I now stand solid on the rock of Christ and his word. That was our first God dream. Reminder, we were doing this when we had seven kids in the youth group. We also said this, that we want to be known as a worshiping community. And by doing that, what that means is that we'd be known as people that just worshiped God, both from the congregational side, but as well as having three worship leaders and three worship teams. The people that you see up here are the fruit of that. Taylor leading worship, and it's not going, okay, what guy leader do we need next? No, we need a guy leader that could lead us in worship because we want to be in five years from now a youth group that has three full-on functioning worship teams. Again, we're talking like we have seven kids. But these were our God dreams. The next that we had was that we'd see a hundred people that if we're sharing God's word and we're worshiping him in his spirit and in his presence, that we'd see 100 new people be baptized to profess faith in Christ and profess it to one another here. That we'd see lives changed. That'd be impossible with the kids that we had at the time. And our last goal is this, that 90% of our youth group would be in a mentorship program and be serving. That we have, you think, okay, Jay, why don't just go the full 100% because we're trying to show grace and say that this has a sub-vision goal to it. That 10% of our youth group would be new kids coming in constantly going, hey, I don't know where you guys are at. I don't know about this baptism stuff, but I'm hearing about Jesus for the first time and I want to hear that. And I want to get caught up and get plugged in and be a part of what's going on. That the 90% would be reaching and as they are reaching and getting taught by those who are older than them, who love them, who are a little bit further in their walk with God. That they're reaching down to others that, they, that don't know God and if they're a high schooler reaching down down to junior hires and saying, let me fill you. Let me tell you about God. Let me help you because I'm a little bit further in my walk with God. And that as we're doing that, that there is this 10% that is being reached that has never been reached before. These are the goals that we have for our youth group, our five-year goals. What you've seen here today with our worship team, with those who are praying, with those that are greeting, just shows that we are starting to be on the right track for this. And once we had these goals in mind, these four goals, and said, if this is what five years looks like, what does it look like three years from now? All right, if, if we want to have three worship teams by five years, maybe by one year, that means we have at least one solid worship team. And then we look at that, okay, what does that look like six months from now? What does that look like, you know, a month from now? Down to what does that look like today? So where this Wednesday we go, Gunny, here's the game you're going to do and here's why you're going to do it because it's building towards this vision. We're working towards and taking that step towards that skyline that we have. Lejeune, here's why you're going to go and talk to these kids that aren't going to be playing that game because we want to teach them about worship. We want to get them excited about the word. We want them to be mentored by God. And now everything that we do has a purpose. And this began to spread in our youth group, even among just our leaders and, and our seven to ten kids that we'd have. Because vision travels through people, not through paper. It's what helped me begin to take those next steps. Because God uses vision. I was able to leave the Southwest 
side of Chicago. And I got to live in that city for six years. And not just get to live and exist in the city, but while being in there, one of the most expensive places and expensive cities to live in, I was able to go to school, get my undergrad degree in pastoral studies, and receive my master's in ministry. And that's just God showing off right there. Amen? Not only that, but because God uses visions, because God uses dreams, and God dreams, our youth group has grown, and there is real life there. You got to hear three stories, like I said, but there are many, many more here. Come rain or shine, these students have been here, and we average on total now between 30 to 40 students every Wednesday night. Our youth group has tripled in size. And again, like I said from the top, it's not because of anything special that I've done or any of these leaders have done, even though they're all awesome. But it's because we've been faithful to the vision and dreams that we feel God's calling us to. We have the encouragement behind us. All I did was encourage and empower our leaders to begin to start God dreaming. To go, no, that's not silly. That's not dumb. That's not unrealistic. With God, all things are possible. Let's make it happen because vision travels through people, not through paper. So I want to close this morning by standing here today, not to boast in my education or, or on me, because on the real, there are a lot of people, even here, that are way smarter than me, have way more life experience than me, are a lot wiser than me, that God has put in my life to humble me and remind me that I still have a long way to go in my personal life. I'm also not standing up here to show off these kids as some kind of trophy that needs to be validated for me in my life or any of the leaders that we have here today. But rather, I stand here as someone who knows and has experienced over and over again the power of God dreams. And I want to ask you today to be brave, to take our statement home with you. Let it travel into your homes this week and ask you to God dream with us. What does it look like to God dream with your family, in your, in your, family, in your own life, and in your church life? I don't know where I would be if God didn't give me my family and friends that came around me and encouraged me. There are many other Jays out there right now that are in our youth group. There are many other Haydens in our youth group, many other Josephs, many other riders in our youth group. And you know what they need right now? The same thing I did when I used to ride the bus and look at that Chicago skyline. They need older men and women in their lives to encourage them. Man, I can't tell you, I used to have that dream of that city. And I would think just selfishly because it looks cool, because that's where all the cool people live, because it's a better life personally. And when I got to go to church and I would go to my youth group, I had people in my life who go, Jay, let's just not make this a dream. Let's make it a God dream. Man, what does it look like to have that dream, that heart and that passion, but let's make it and, worship, and shape it so that you can worship and honor God with it. And that's exactly what I did and why I'm here today. These students all have passions. They all have hearts for something ask them about it. I would encourage you to do that. But they need to be encouraged to continue to do that. They need to be shaped in encouraging them to make it a God dream. And they need to see it displayed. I was talking to somebody after first service here that was a little bit older and a little bit later on in their life. And I said, man, you know how encouraging, what I need? I need to see some people in their 60s, in their 70s, in their 80s, in their 90s going, God gave me this dream when I was in my 20s. And I'm faithfully living it to the end. I'm going to finish this race strong. You think the youth are encouraging? Man, to have some adults in those ages living that way, 
I think could really begin to help shape our vision even more as we join in the vision of our church, that we wanna be a church that experiences the presence of God and the power of family. That's how we begin to do that, church, amen? amen. Let me pray for you guys, and then Taylor's gonna come up and he's gonna worship. And we're gonna finish and respond to this by God dreaming in one last song. Dear God, I just pray, Lord, Lord, I pray for these dreams. I pray for those who maybe have never God dreamed before. They grew up maybe in a similar type of situation, never being encouraged, never being inspired to dream beyond just the realistic things that was the next step. But Lord, I pray that even here today as we do this next song, as we sing the reckless love of God, that Lord, with you all things are possible, all things are obtainable. And so Lord, we don't just dream for, for just a little but we dream in such a way that, oh God, we need you to show up. Otherwise, this looks really silly. Lord, help this to travel today. Help those who have been hurt by dreams before and have settled into the realistic mindset or a pessimistic mindset to find freedom in Christ to dream again. Allow us to be a community that encourages one another to speak truth into one another, to remind each other of the love that God has. And as we sing this song now, Jesus, let it be a declaration over our church body here that your love continues to pursue us to the very end, to the end of days, that, Lord, we could see you and know you. And let it be a reminder to our own hearts. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to Heritage SC dot o-r-g